What a crazy time to be alive, mijas. 2020 has been the year to wake us up, you guys. We are feeling woke. I know that I'm not the only one. We have honestly really realized what is truly important. Our health, our families, our safety, and definitely standing up against social injustice. The death of George Floyd on May 25th wasn't just a wake-up call, you guys. So many people are saying um you know wow what a wake-up call uh no the alarm has been going off since 1619 and some of us have just continued to hit snooze some of us have continued to look the other way some of us have continued to think that this just isn't our problem and we can no longer stay quiet we can no longer stay neutral we have been called to look within to have those conversations with our family to learn to unlearn and now we are here because we want to keep this conversation going to sustain the momentum, to bring about real change beginning with ourselves. I was like, how can I personally get involved? How can I contribute? I initially began by checking my own privilege, having those conversations here with my family and starting to do a lot of, you know, just learning and unlearning, like I said. I was thinking about how I could start to do something with the community and maybe get Femina involved, um, some friends. And I actually checked my DMs and found that Didi from Adelante Mami, who's a friend of mine, had already taken the initiative and she had invited me and some fellow Latina leaders to the group chat. Um, so in the group chat was morning host from 96.9 Priscilla Ornelas. Ralphie and Kaya from Adama's Guide to another podcast. You guys should definitely listen to them if you don't already. Creative director Beth Yohani, Sonia Saunders from Mujeron Movement, and life coach Sylvia Brands. So Didi is such a true community builder. Um, and honestly, what I like to call a saca fiesta. So a saca fiesta is a party starter. Like we all have one of those friends that we make a party out of nothing, right? Um, so that's Didi. And she um, had messaged us and pretty much didn't have a plan, didn't have an idea. She just put us all in a group chat and said, what can we do together and how can we use our platforms? So that was when we quickly realized the power of unity, the power of coming together to address racism as a community, as a culture. And we know that we cannot speak on behalf of the black community, on behalf of our black brothers and sisters, but we can bring awareness to the Latinx community and amplify the melanated voices. So here we are. Thank you to everyone who is listening to the first episode of the hashtag Amplifica series. This is the first of seven. I had the privilege of starting us off and by bringing on some really special guests. Um, the Amplifica seven-week series is going to be, like I said, amplifying melanated voices. Each week, we're going to have different guests. We're going to have a different facilitator within those um, that I mentioned. And we're going to talk about some topics that are going to make us confident, that are going to make us strong allies for the Black community, and really just against social injustice. Um, we are the students, you guys. I recommend getting a pen, a paper, and just get ready to take notes. I hope that what we you know learn that we don't just take for ourselves that we don't just take notes but that we apply it and then of course that we share it with others i'm excited to learn and for you guys to hopefully use some of these nuggets on your platform and with your friends with your family and with your communities so without further ado let's get started today's topic is on allyship it was the kickoff for hashtag amplifica um what is allyship how can we be allies we are joined by some incredible guests who i want to introduce properly before we get started we have aisha and des they are the beauty and the brains behind Creative Label, a full-service branding, marketing, and PR agency. Creativity and Aisha go hand-in-hand. Hand. Having worked in creative development and its impacts on digital strategy, she has adopted a special niche for finding the most unique visuals for clients. Des has a strong passion for production. She has worked behind the scenes of major TV shows and networks such as The Dr. Phil Show, Lifetime, HGTV, and YouTube. Together, they are a dynamic duo dedicated to bringing their clients' visions to life. So let's give it up for Aisha and Des of Creative Label. Listas? Awesome. Aisha, I'll let you go first. <laughs> it's always awkward, you guys, and we talk because Des and I, one, we sound the same, so we're told, and um, two, we usually always end up saying the same things at the same time. So I'm 
anytime we do this, I'm looking at her like, are you going to go? Am I going to go? Who's going to go? We don't know. Anyways, so um, like it was mentioned, my name is Aisha. I am um, happy, super happy to be here. I'm not only Black, but I am Mexican too, half Mexican. So it's great to be, you know, in a community with people that, you know, can relate to another minority issue that many people don't face. Um, we, Des and I, you know, we obviously both run Creative Label, but what we found um, in the vein of like our purpose with our company is to educate when we first started Creative Label, there was no information out there on how to do anything. Um, people were doing it, but no one was sharing. Nobody wanted to say like, hey, this is how like, you're a business on your own. Hey, this is like some things that you might want to have in place before like issuing your first invoice. Like it wasn't out there. And so Des and I said, okay, well, we're going to have to do a lot of the legwork, but let's be committed to educating our audience on like our zones of genius. And what's that of what that has evolved to be is digital public relations, marketing, and all of those things. Um, and then as our public relations department grew, it began educating people on how to kind of be human in the workplace. And so um, when COVID hit, we just mentioned how everyone's like woke AF now because of COVID, we had several PR accounts, Raquel Stein at OCS, like we were at a business mastermind for the weekend and me and Des would be up at 6 a.m. at a coffee shop helping draft PR statements for our clients who are canceling events for COVID or canceling their purchases for COVID, um, their sales basically because they can't get it fulfilled by their distributor. And so we were literally like running around like chickens with our head cut off because we had business school from like 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. So we had from like 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. to like crisis manage. Um, and so what Des and I said was like, what people don't know how to do is how to show up. Like, how, how do I show up in a pandemic? Like, no one teaches you that because that's not something that, you, that happens all the time, right? And so we said, you know, in our space that we decided, you know, was going to be our mission was to educate. And so we can educate people on how to show up right now, how to pivot right now. What does the pandemic mean in relation to your business. It's not just digging your head in the sand. It's figuring how to be a resilient entrepreneur. And when everyone started to be a little bit more woke with respect to black people, um, Des and I, you know, that was something personal to us. And we almost dug our heads in the sand and we were almost very, um, at a point where we were frustrated having to give our white clients words from black women to tell their white client, their white audience. That was hard. And so the very first day when everyone's putting out their statements, um, Des and I were just like defeated. Our staff, 95% black, all of us were like, I'm spent. I am tired of doing this. This is frustrating. Um, and then after Des and I sat on it and we had a discussion and said, no, like this is this is not what we agreed on when we first started this business was to educate. And just because it's something that affects us a little bit more personally than other people doesn't mean that we shouldn't continue to show up and talk with people how they can show up right now in their, in their workplace. And so that is kind of like full circle to brings us to like why we're talking about a subject that, I mean, we're not HR specialists, right? But we're talking about allyship in the workplace. And that's just because as black women who work with, 99% of white brands, it's important to be able to share our knowledge on the topic. Yeah, I think that was a, a really, really good breakdown of what we're doing and what we're trying to deliver. Um, I'm Des, by the way. <laughs> um, I am 100% African American, um, but Aisha and I have been friends for a really, really long time, Going, coming up on like I don't know, 10 years, 11 years. <laughs> um, and I've learned so much about her Hispanic culture over the time. You know, I've learned 
to just really embrace it. And she teaches me, she's been teaching me like so many different words, <laughs> food and like all this stuff. So I appreciate her for that because I enjoy diversifying my personal life too. Um, but what Aisha said is really right. Uh, it is our mission. Like we feel like it's literally our calling from God to educate no matter if that's something personal or business or whatever that is, like we are in a position where we can educate and find a way to be resources and tools. Um, but one thing that we do do is with the crisis management, it's not just like, here's your statement and that's it. We are developing plans, action items of how you can diversify your work life, your personal life, your business, how to incorporate this stuff into your marketing plan, your marketing strategy, so that this doesn't happen again. You can help to make change. A statement, it doesn't mean anything unless you follow through. That's what we're teaching is how to create the statement, but how to follow through after. So yeah, that's us. <laughs> yes, well, thank you guys so much um, for adding in that and just like introducing yourselves and telling us about what you do because I, I've been seeing what you do for businesses with the whole COVID. Even just a lot of um, women in this group have their own personal brands or groups and we're like, okay, just making us more aware of how we can be more inclusive or in being able to be prepared for COVID pandemics, just like stuff like that. So um, what, what would you guys say as far as like allyship? Cause I know you mentioned in the workplace, but what does that mean to you guys? What does an, an ally mean? Um, what would that mean? Like if we're saying, you know, we want to feel confident in being allies for the black community. We want to stand with you. We're with you. We're here. But we want to feel confident when we say that. We want to be able to back it up instead, like you said, just not just posting something. But like actually if something comes up, a difficult conversation, we want to be able to, to say the right thing, to, you know, just to speak up. So um, an ally for me, and Des and I, we may or may not be the same. Sometimes I, sometimes I can tell you like, oh, the answer's gonna be the same with this one. I'm, not, I'm sure that the premise will be, but who knows about the action item. Anyways, so an ally for me is somebody who's educated because you can't fully be an ally for somebody if you don't know, you can't confidently be an ally for somebody if you don't know anything about what you're being an ally for. And when you're an ally, it means that you are aligned with the other side. So chances are you'll be against people that look like you. Growing up Black and Mexican in a predominantly Hispanic community with my Hispanic family, a lot of Hispanics don't like Black people, especially in Southern California. Uh, we would have Black and Mexican riots in high school. And so to be an ally would mean that somebody who doesn't look like me is aligned with me knowing that they're going to probably against people that look like them. An ally is somebody that is educated. An ally is someone who is anti-racist. It's not enough to not be racist, right? You have to be like anti-it. And an ally is someone who continues to take action on their allyship. So action can mean a lot of things. Action can mean protest. Action can mean signing a petition. Action can mean, you know, seeing something and speaking out on it and it doesn't have to be in a confrontational matter but just standing up for the minority because maybe your voice is heard more loudly than others um that is in my opinion what an ally is kind of in a nutshell does what do you what are your thoughts yeah i mean i can't disagree with anything you know that you said as far as to what an ally is, my most important things are, are two things. So the education and ed taking the time to, to educate yourself, like just as all of you guys are doing on this call right now, um, but also doing the extra research behind that. Everything that we're gonna tell you on today's talk is honestly anything that you can ask some of your other, you know, black friends or Google even. We're not like the end all be all <laughs> and the go-to uh, for, um, for all of us. Of course, we're a resource, but um, doing the actionable items behind it is really, really important to me. So it's not enough to say that you are an ally. Um, it's you have to do the steps and you have to continue to do the steps. So that means like this is eventually going to all die down probably unfortunately we want to keep it as relevant as possible but with the nature of covid everybody's working from home like sports is off tv shows are postponed everything is kind of 
you know, there's, there's, you can put attention into this and it won't always be that way, unfortunately. And so now I don't want to see people just saying, Oh, I'm an ally. This is what I stand for. I post on my social media. Um, and then when a couple weeks hit from now, or a couple months hit from now and COVID's over and everyone's just back to, you know, going to the bars and dinner and hanging out with friends. And then this disappears. Like this has to be something an ally is a long-term change for me. It has to be something that you continue, continue to work on. It's not going to be easy work all the time um, at all. <laughs> You're going to maybe have to not be friends with some people, have really difficult conversations with best friends, siblings, parents, and it's forever. It's the long term. So, so true. Thank you so much. I know I'm taking that down. Like, I think that a lot of us here are just really wanting to, we're in that journey. Um, speaking on behalf of some of the girls that when we put our heads together, where we're like, okay, we just want to learn as well. Like we're unlearning and learning. So definitely trying. That's why I agree with you. Like the education part is for sure the first step. What would you say as far as like being an ally in the workplace or what does that mean for you guys? I think that this is, um, there's a lot of different levels to this question. There's so many different ways that you can be an ally in the workplace. If you are a business owner, it's so important to diversify your staff. It's so important because once you and have people of color, different races, genders, um, on all different positions, even at those like high level positions, it's really important. I've been telling people that you will see a huge difference because something like this, it's once in a lifetime, right? Where we have so much attention on this situation, but something like this will probably happen again in some other form of topic or maybe even the same topic continued again. And a lot of us wouldn't be sitting here on this call wondering how we can have allyship in the workplace if we would diversify our teams. So if we diversify our teams, you can go straight to your team and you can say, how do you feel about this? Do you find this to be offensive? How should I work this? Tell me a little bit more about your culture, even if it's not you know, a crisis situation. I want to know more. I want to expand our team. I want it to be diverse so that when these situations happen, it's not like, oh shoot, what do I do? It's let me look to my team. This is why I have a team for us to come together. So diversifying is so, so important. And I think also if you're not in a higher position or a business owner, I think it's knowing it's okay to stand up for other people, no matter what position you're in. If your boss is saying that something that's inappropriate, they should be called out. If your teammate or your coworker is saying something, they should be called out and you have to be, it's going to be hard. It's not easy. You have to be comfortable having those conversations. They don't have to be confrontational, like Aisha said, but they are conversations that are uncomfortable to have no matter what workplace position you're in. Thank you so much. Okay, so this is a question too that I was thinking of. So I, I feel like because you are also in PR and you're helping businesses with their messages, commonly we say, okay, let's not talk about within your business, let's not talk about politics. Let's not talk about these, these like big issues, right? And I think for me too, um, throughout the things that have happened or just in general, right? Like even with like DACA or illegal immigrants, ICE, like all these other topics that are, not what we're talking about right now, but in throughout the like history, right? I'm like, oh, I don't want to speak on that because it's business and I don't want to upset my clients or I don't want people to think that I don't, if I'm like F Trump or I love Trump or, you know, whatever, like my thought isn't fuck Trump, but I'm like, okay, like if I'm like, hey, like I don't want to say this because I don't want to upset my client or I don't want it to affect my business. And um, I was just having a conversation about this too, because I was like, oh, and now it's almost like, wow, that's, that's been contributing to the problem. So it doesn't have to be politics, but obviously standing up for human rights, standing up against injustice, right? So like there's just that part, I think is where a lot of businesses are probably feeling like they need to change their messaging because we've been walking on eggshells. We don't want to say the wrong thing because we don't want to upset our clients. What are your thoughts on that? I'll touch on this. So um, you brought up a few things. You brought up policy and so a lot of people will say you know the same the same sentiments and and things like you know i don't want to get into politics and talk about racism like that's just you know i'm not a politics person but how we explain it is that racism is not a political issue right and in other minority groups it's important to understand that like there are a lot of similarities in like a minority's plight. Like there is a lot of similarities between how, what we go through 
and what the Hispanic community goes through and what the Jewish community goes through and what the Asian community goes through, especially amongst COVID, there's a lot of similarities there with respect to how they're treated. But showing up with that empathy and knowing that it's not politics, it's humanity, it's not regarding the lives of black people or people of color in the same way you regard those lives of white people. Even just thinking about it from a sense of how many white people have you seen die on social media? Like literally, how many? None, right? I, I have never in my entire life seen a white person die on social media, ever. I can't even tell you, I don't know the number. It's more than I can count. It's, I've seen more black men die on social media than any other race. And to say that that's politics is literally not regarding the life of black people equal to the life of another race. And so when people say, I don't want to get into the politics of it. No, th this isn't politics. This is a matter of life and death. The reason why it's masked in politics is because the, this racism umbrella builds out things like the judicial system, like the like Congress, like banking, like lending mortgages, like education. It's all being built from a white lens that's favorable to the white community. So in application, people of color are not treated equal. Like crack and coke, virtually the same thing, but the sentences are way different. Or weed and opioids. Right. So it's that's when you get into the political side of things, because politics and the systems are built and are built with regard for white lives more than any other. So that's kind of what I say to the political thing. I'm like, mm, yeah, no, because if we constantly seen white women, white men, white children dying, like, can you imagine if you saw a little a little white boy with a BB gun? in the park playing by himself and the cop just drive by, boom, kill him. See, the world would be up in arms. But nothing happened to the people that killed Tamir, Tamir Rice, the little boy, right? So like, it's just having that understanding, like everyone is so desensitized to black people dying on social media, which is like insane to me. It's not people aren't even, even myself. I see it so many times, it's not, it's still hurtful every time. It's still hard every time, but like I've seen it so many times. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that you said life and death. This is this isn't politics. This is life and death. This is humanity. So I I really love that point too because um, maybe a lot of people aren't speaking up at this at this point in time, right? And I think that speaking up, yes, being educated, but also um, like you guys said, taking that that firm stance to be anti-racist, um, to stand up and be allies, right? So a lot of times people aren't speaking up. Do you feel like maybe we can talk about the business side, but then also maybe on a personal side, some people are speak aren't speaking up because they don't want to get political. Obviously, we just talked about that. But then also, you know, there's still the excuse of like, oh, well, I don't know how to, right? So there, that's still, again, part of education. Um, what would you say to maybe somebody that is maybe companies or businesses that aren't they're either staying neutral or they're not really addressing it or like do you know what i mean like from that business standpoint like do are we canceling businesses that are not you know for black lives matter like what's what are your guys' thoughts on that kind of um, like i think did anthropology anthropology posted like a quote like it wasn't even like black lives matter or anything it was just kind of like a a quote from I forget who a black woman but it kind of like, it was like very like neutral <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna need you to do more please but I'll let you go Des I see I just wanted to drive the point home like I've definitely seen brands like nod but maybe also not nod it's not enough to not post anything that's just in all honesty and all transparency like it's not enough. Like this is a human rights issue. It, it It's again, not a political issue. And every brand, if you have great morals, you need to address this, especially if you have the audience to leverage. I don't even care if you have a hundred people that, that follow you, it needs to be addressed. And just from a business perspective, I will tell you as an African-American 
consumer and African Americans literally spend billions of dollars and put billions of dollars into the economy every single year. I right now am Googling businesses that have given back and support supported the Black Lives Matter movement. It is a purchase making decision for me. And I think a lot of other people can say the same thing. Um, it's a purchase making decision. I feel more inclined to give my money to businesses who support me and who I am. I don't want to give money to businesses who haven't had a say, haven't taken a stance, have been silent during this time because silence is not allyship. I don't want to put my money towards them. And I have thought twice and I've done the research, not just because it's my job to do the research and I work in marketing. Like I've done the research because I actually care and it's really important. And I think a lot of other people feel that way. And I know black people feel that way, but it's soon to going to be to the point because there's so many other allies right now and white allies, white people will start saying the same thing too. Um, they're going to be watching where their dollars go and the businesses that they're that the businesses that they put their money towards. So to answer your question, it's not okay to not say anything. hundred percent. From the personal aspect, allyship, with respect to speaking up, it doesn't mean that you can only speak up for anti-racist things. My husband was, was parked at the store and this was like kind of sad, but I, I appreciated it. A black man came up to him and said, Hey, your left tail lights out. I don't want I don't want you to be the next one. And I was like, oh my gosh. The fact that other people are like, look, you may not know this, but let me tell you so that you're not another one, right? And it could be some it could it could be many things that you can kind of like notify people, hey, this is what's going on, just so you know, you know. I don't want anything to happen to you. Those are some ways that you can be an ally for someone. Granted, that person was a black man and he can identify in a, in a different way than me even as a black woman can, but that is another form of allyship, even though, you know, he's black. It's just saying like, hey, like I see you, I see what's going on. I see how you're treated. Like, be aware of this. Yeah. Well, I love that so much too. It just is, like you said, not staying neutral, not staying silent. Um, these are for sure some things that really focusing on like where you're spending your money. If they're, and we've seen it happen even just here locally where people are like, we're canceling so-and-so because they either just were neutral, they didn't take a clear stance or they were just freaking like blunt. Overtly you know. racist. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point because um, people not making like, clear stances is also something that's an issue um we've had people or we've been doing like a lot of press stuff a lot of interviews about this because people do see us as a resource and there has been many people who have reached out to us to do interviews especially local to arizona um and we feel like we're just part of their campaign like let's find like black girls to basically like show that we are supporting this. And so what we do with every person that we're doing interviews with is we say, well, what statements have they released about this? Like, what do they really, what are they really backing? What do they really stand for? And there's a particular woman entrepreneurship company in the Arizona area and actually two businesses and they released horrendous, like toned up statements and we were just like we had actually even personally reached out to them and said hey like we recommend da 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 we're just trying to get really clear on where you guys stand on x y and z and they were just super neutral and because of their neutrality we chose like we don't we said no like we said no we're not going to support your business we don't back this because you've chosen to be neutral in this situation or because your statement is really tone deaf and it's not enough and you're not providing us with the clarification that we need and or if they were they're providing it internally through emails and dm and they weren't providing that externally to their audience so we we said no yeah if we can't as black women that represent black people like we're not going to send our client to you to be featured by you if your response to racist remarks in your community is well we already made a statement last week about this we stand with the black lives matter mm -hmm. okay but your community members are being very racist mm -hmm. and you still are not acknowledging it right that's playing both sides so right. um 
Jess is right. We've had several people come and try to feature us for things. And we've, we've seen a lot of things on social play out the way a lot of us have seen a lot of things on social play out, even in this community. And we'll, we respectfully decline. We're not your token black people. We won't be. And um, maybe in a few months at the end of the year, next year, if, if there is an actual change and we can revisit this topic, but we're not going to be your token people for that. Yes, so good. And so good of you guys to just stand your ground on that too and stand up for yourselves. Um, also with with businesses, from a business standpoint, maybe at one point there are going to be clients that are going to approach you that are going to say, hey, can you represent us or can you can we work with you, right? And at that point you're like, okay, well, you know, based on X, Y, and Z, right? Maybe we don't even want to work with you from that yeah. standpoint. And that definitely happens soon. To be honest, that happens with every single client that we take on, whether it has to do with race or whatever. We go by two things, our business core values and our personal core values. If your business and your personality and your team do not fit into that category, I don't care how much money you're paying us, it's a no. It's just a no. This is what I personally stand up for. This is what my business partner personally stands up for. And that's it. Like, it's just standing that ground. And I have no problem telling people why they like, why it's, you know, why we can't work, why we can't do business. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And, um, Des and I love the quote, if your, your core values have to cost you something or else they don't mean anything. So when it comes to, you know, showing up and here's a situation that's like not aligned with your core values. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to do? Because this isn't aligned with your core values. You can continue to make money. You can take on this account. You can still represent them, even though they're against everything that you're about. Or you can say, you know what, this is not aligned with me. I'm going to make space for something else that is more aligned with me. And yeah. we just sent an email earlier this week to a client <laughs> that we, washed our hands up we we're like we're not working with them anymore we wanted to amicably finish the account and they were so disrespectful to treat our team like shit and they came back and we said mm -mm, because you were disrespectful and we're not going to subject our team to that anymore we wish you the best of luck but so so great and especially just like as business owners as women as minorities we're just like we can set, that's part of being your own boss, owning your own company is like setting, being able to set those boundaries. And sometimes maybe we're working for companies. We find ourselves maybe, or maybe some, you know, like um, people that are on this call or that are going to be listening is like, we find ourselves maybe working jobs or for bosses that aren't really in alignment with us, but it's COVID and there's stuff, you know, like we have bills to pay and it's just, it's hard. You have to make those decisions too. It's like, okay, well, this is my boss, this is my company. But like you said, it's just, it's gonna be like a reflection of, of you. Like maybe if you leave work and you're still wearing, you know, your company shirt and then people are like, oh, well you work for them and they're not even for you or. Yeah. Yeah, I will say um, it took us a, a long time to get to this place. <laughs> like like our business coach would tell us. And, but as soon as we started doing it, it would feel like it would suck really, really bad because we'd be like, oh, but that was like a, a good amount of money or, oh, you don't want to like fire anyone from an account or, oh, whatever it is. Every single time after we would do it, something tenfold would come through every single time. And so now we're at the point where we're like, okay, just do it. Something else will come through. Like we're trying to, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I will figure it out. Like it's yeah. not, you have to make room for more of what you want. Because mm -hmm. you're, it's energy blocks. It mm -hmm. literally is an energy block. And you, you're blocking all of this good energy, energy that's aligned with you, energy that fuels you, energy that keeps you passionate about what you're wanting to do by giving your energy to other things. And things you don't support. Mm -hmm. <laughs> whether you work for somebody or, um, you know, whether you have your own business, like you don't support it at the end of the day. 100%. Yeah, thank you guys so much for adding that on. So like just kind of just to touch briefly, I had a situation. I don't know if maybe you guys saw my video, but um, I had been affiliated with an organization here that was for minorities, for Hispanic businesses. And they kind of had launched a neutral statement about where they stood. They didn't mention Black Lives Matter. They didn't 
mention, um, you know, just anything about like people of color, like not all black people are, you know, like people of color are sometimes an X too, you know, like there's just a combination. So they didn't address it, but they were very fluffy and they kind of just brought up like, you know, oh, we're, we're mourning the death of George Floyd. And so it was just was really fluffy. And when I reached out because I'm an advocate, I was like, Hey, like this isn't enough. They kind of just came back and gave me some other answer, but I spoke out on it. Right. And I was like, Hey, this is a company that I've really been clearly working for. And they wanted to stay neutral because they didn't want to upset their, their clients. They're a um, nonprofit. And so they were like, we want to, you know, as you can imagine, we want to stay neutral with our, our wider range of clients. I'm like, you guys are a minority company get funded and like trying to bridge the gap between like the Hispanic minorities and like just bridging that gap. So I felt like that was literally such a missed opportunity. Um, so I know that not every company wants to take that clear stand, kind of just going back to that because they're afraid of losing the business. They're afraid of their message saying the wrong thing or losing, you know, like they're trying to please everyone. And I think that's where you guys can attest to this, you know, being marketing specialists. It's like, okay, well, who is your ideal client? Who is your ideal market? Like, we're not trying to please everybody here. And obviously they're trying to cater more towards their donors or their clients versus like their actual community that they built the whole business for. Yeah. I, I mean, that same exact thing happened to us. <laughs> so I get it. It's really frustrating. Um, and I, I mean, that's just like a slap on, on the hand for those businesses, not even like more than a slap on the hand. Like, I don't care if you're for profit, nonprofit, especially, honestly, I feel like it's horrible too, if you're nonprofit, because typically if you're a nonprofit business, you are standing for something that's a good cause that's giving back. Um, and this would be a perfect example of what I always do. Even when I have a customer service problem, I'm like, always go look for the company's core values. I'm like literally live and die by core values. Mm -hmm. And I will say, look, your core values stay right here. What you're doing right now is not aligned with what your core values. So can you please explain? And typically after I point that out, they're like, okay, like we get it now or okay, like you're right or whatever that might be. And it's really sad that you have to point out somebody else's core values um, or even ask them what they are. <laughs> um, but it, it happens. Like it's what you experienced is real. It happened to us multiple times with businesses in Arizona this past two weeks. And it's just sad. And I don't want anyone on this call to be that business. It's not worth it. Even like think about the reputation that they have right now. It's, it's, it's totally, not. it's not worth it. And not that this is the angle, but you know, a lot, we're all business owners here. And, um, if a decision means the shutting down of your business, because that could be a potential thing that happens, you just need one person to call up and be like, wow, you know, and rally the troops. And then everyone else be like, you know what? I did experience this. I did experience it. And then boom, you're done. Like Quaker Oats who just changed their whole branding whoever's on their team was smart because every business is next. Literally every business is next. Everyone's looking to find the business with the racist undertone or the business who isn't showing up or the business who's kind of being wishy-washy and they want to expose it. Everyone wants to bring to light racism, overt racism, hidden racism, because everyone's tired of it. Mm -hmm. And would you rather still continue to hide in the shadows to appease people who are racist for your money or would and risk losing your whole business or take a stand? Maybe you lose some people, but you get a million people who know that, you know, equality is the most important thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think you can even, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen what's happening with Arizona Foothills magazine. Yeah. Um, we have, they, a, have a, quite a few girls on here that know them, know them and have been affiliated with like, wow. Previously. Yeah. So, I mean, their brand, like speaking from a brand perspective, like what it's going to cost them with their crisis management, what it's going to like financially, what it's going to cost them morally. Like, it's just not even, it, again, it's not worth it. It's, it's more expensive emotionally and financially like monetary wise to not take a stance or to 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 have a neutral response than to just take a stance on what's right like they're probably not going to recover speaking from an expert 
expertise in branding and marketing and public relations. Like they're not going to recover. They're going to have to completely rebound their business into something else. And they didn't have to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know that um, there was some petitions even kind of going around like, Hey, maybe just stand down or give it to somebody else. And there's still maybe some type of something that could be saved. So I feel you that honestly is, is the best example of just kind of like the, the worst here locally, like where it's, where it's gotten. Um, thank you guys so much for just elaborating on that and your thoughts just from the business perspective. And then also just even personally, like I, I'm like, yeah, hundred percent, it's not worth it. I wanted to open it up to a couple of questions um, from some of the girls. I actually had a question really quick from earlier from Dee Dee. So I'll read it. She said, I appreciate you mentioning the racial tension between non-Black Latinx and Black people. It's definitely very real. There are many Latinos who say they are not racist, but they have prejudice. When becoming better allies, how do you overcome these tensions and move forward as one? How do we continue to build trust? Such a good question, Dee Dee. This is such, such, such a good question. This is really personal, I think, to me and Aisha, um, because I grew up in Black and Hispanics. I'm from Northern California, and I never knew that there was, like, a tension between Black and Hispanics. Like, we just didn't have that here in Northern California, and we were just, I always just looked at Hispanics like, I was like, okay, we're both minorities. Like, we're both people of color. Like, what? Like that's just how I grew up. Um, but when I met Aisha, she grew up completely different. And she was like, where I'm from, like, Black and Mexican people don't really like each other. And I was like, what? That's so crazy. Um, I've never heard of that before. This is by the time I was in college. I was like, I had never heard of that anymore. And I was like, okay, tell me more. Like, I want to get to know more about, like, your culture and, like, more about your family and naturally like we're friends, right? So I would go over her family's house and be around more. But I think it's building that trust, building that trust within other people that you can learn from and other resources. Like don't be afraid to ask questions. Like don't be afraid to, um, and if you do, I think a lot of people are afraid to ask questions right now because they feel like they're gonna say something wrong um, or they don't know what to say. And yeah, that might happen, but give yourself grace. And if you do say something wrong and say, I'm sorry, I just really didn't know. I'm maybe in a, pri a privileged position and I just don't know. And I just want to learn. Can you tell me why what I said is wrong or why what I asked is wrong? I guarantee you, I can't guarantee, but I would say that that person is going to be much more willing to teach you in, in that way than not. <laughs> They're going to be much more willing to correct you and say, this is wrong because X, Y, and Z, but thank you for still coming forward and trying to understand and trying to learn. And that's how we build that trust between each other. That's how we become those allies because it's, I understand you and I understand you. And I want to have these really honest and vulnerable conversations. Yeah. Um, and from the one part of the question was there are many Latinos who say they are not racist, but have prejudice. My mother is one of those Latinos. Mm -hmm. 100% Desnos. Mm -hmm. She doesn't even know her heart is not in a wrong place. I'll give you two examples. Uh, the first one is so my family lives in Southern California in the Los Angeles area. My mom's brother, my uncle, lives in a nicer area up in like the hills. And so it's like a hill, and then at the bottom of the hill is like all the LA area. And so what people will do is they'll go up on the hill, rob the homes, go down the hill, and the police can't find them because it's just so scattered. Like, you could have literally gone a thousand different ways. They don't know where to go um, to find them. So a lot of robberies happen in these, like, really nice homes. My mother um, was staying, and my stepdad will stay the weekends over there, and they'll hang out, and they'll drink, and they'll do whatever. And um, my mom loves to wake up in the morning. He has this like huge lot of land. She loves to wake up in the morning, bring out the stationary bike and ride the bike in the front yard. And so she's like, yeah, I went on my bike ride today, but she's like literally stationary. It was so early in the morning, the neighbors went on a vacation and my family was watching like the house. Not literally, I mean, not literally, but like, hey, just keep an eye on the house because we're going to be out of town. And their house, my Nina and my Nina's house got broken into like a few months before that. So all the neighbors in the area are just kind of like on guard, like this is happening. And my mom was riding her bike and sees somebody breaking in the home. So she calls the cops, the cops come, 
she tells him, I'm calling the police. And then they run out and they screech down in a car. And so then the police come, take a police report, whatever. So I'm talking to her on the phone. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then what happened? And then what did you say? And she's like, yeah, you know, I, um, she told me the whole story, but she didn't tell me what she told the cops. She told me the whole story. She said there was these guys in hoodies and she yelled at them and they drove away. And then she's telling the story again to someone else. And she goes, yeah, they were black guys in hoodies. And so I told the cops that they're black guys. And then I said, hold on. You never said that they were black to me. And she said, oh, um, yeah, they're, they're black. And I said, well, how did you know that? How did you know they were black? She goes, well, because they had the hoods on. I'm like, girl, what? Like, you were part of the problem. And I can talk to my mom like that because, you know, that's my mom. But, like, having those conversations in context with other people. And then my mom was like, well, you know, before I saw down at the hill, when I went to the grocery store, there were these black guys that had hoods on. And I'm like, okay, but every black guy doesn't wear, everyone has a hood, everyone wears a hood. Like, you didn't see his face. Why would you do something like that? So then when the cops going around, they find someone with the hood, they're going to shoot him down because you told them that, that the person was wearing a hood. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, you're right. I didn't think about it like that. I, you know, oh, right. Like her, she's not right. Clearly she's not racist. Right. But like she, her heart's not in the wrong place, but she literally, that's her bias in her mind. Yeah. Um, another story is uh, she won't, if I'm ever with her, she won't take me or she'll be really upset to take me to the airport if I go to the airport with curly hair because she feels like I will be discriminated against in the, in the airport and that I look more Hispanic with my hair straight and so people might respect me more than they would if I had curly hair at the airport. Mm. So that's not, the prejudice in that is that she feels like black people are treated a different way and she's conscious of that. So she's telling me to make my decisions based off that. But the portion where her heart is in the right place is like, I'm fearful for you when you're at the airport because of your name and how you look. So better allies, how do you bridge the gap? It's knowing how to speak to the people that are, that show their prejudices in a way. Yeah. I think it's really important too, is that like, sometimes you're going to have to have these conversations with people who you're really, really close with, like your mom. <laughs> and for some people, that's an easy conversation to have. Um, like Aisha's very outspoken and she's like, mom, no, that's wrong. But I think for a lot of people, it's not really an easy conversation to have with your parents. Um, and a lot of our parents are older and they're close-minded and that's not how they grew up. And it's just hard. Like I had friends reach out to me, um, her, she's Asian and her mom's Asian. And she's like, my mom is just so racist. And I told her, like, she's like, I had to text message her that I cannot support her racism anymore. Um, and I will no longer tolerate it. And here's X, Y, and Z reason, reasons why. And she's like, that's the only way that I could have the conversation with her. Um, so it's even if you have to text it, like whatever you have to do to, to stand up to the people that it's hard to talk to, that you do it Eventually they'll come around. Right. Um, growing up, I even when I got to college, all of my friends, I, I mean, I identify, I look black. I look full black to a lot of people. I may look Filipino to some people. In college, my friends became black people because I look like them. And in college, people are more separate. You kind of hang out with people that look like you. And so just by how I looked, I just ended up with people like looking like Des. But when I got to college, I still had a Hispanic accent. I still sounded like a Mexican girl. I still would say things and they'd be like, you talk like a Mexican. And I'd be like, I, <laughs> I am, but like, what am I saying? I don't know. Um, I don't hear it. But growing up, I grew up with all Hispanic people and a lot of my friends' fathers now as an adult have apologized to me and been like, I was not nice to you when you were a little girl. Mm. And I've been holding that for a really long time and I'm sorry. And I, I remember being like, oh, wow, that was in the sixth grade. And I still remember it. Like, I never held a grudge against you. But like, you remember it because you know it was wrong. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, honestly, both of you guys and just the upbringing and, and also addressing it culturally, we are so well aware of just um, like Didi said, those biases, just even like 
the colorism that's taking place within our own culture, like just all of the issues that we that we've seen growing up with our parents, our grandparents, we're super well aware of that, um, just even in conversation, which is why we were like, we need to address this culturally. Like, this is why we really wanted to unite and take that stance and just for us to become, you know, more educated, but also so that we can go back to our families and just like address it kind of like from the, like, yes, within ourselves and then with our families, but then also within our culture. And so, that was really why we called Amplifica together. I wanted to start off with the topic of, um, you know, allyship. How can we become allies? Because this is the first step and to become allies just throughout the next few weeks that we're going to be learning and getting together and just knowing like this is all for the sake of us using this information and being able to speak on it confidently like we were saying. And Ariana had a question really quick. Um, Ariana's also Afro-Latina. She said, I can relate to you. My father is Black and Mexican, but won't claim or talk about his Black side, but he was raised Mexican. I think sometimes it's hard because you know that your family may not like, like that culture, slash they may have had bad experiences with that culture. Sometimes there can be a lot of like family trauma. I mean, my last name now is Marshall, but my mom's last name is Alcaraz and she changed my last name from Loudon to Alcaraz because my dad, you know, was just crazy. That's not to say all black people are crazy because there's some crazy other people, but yeah, sometimes there's trauma. And I think maybe understanding that trauma, even when it comes to bridging the gap, because if you're able to show up with empathy, right? And when dealing with other people and maybe smiling first when you probably wouldn't or sparking up a conversation first when you probably wouldn't, you can change the um, perceived experience of how people perceive you in the Hispanic culture and vice versa. So powerful. Yeah, it's true. And also, but also still like I, I have to smile first because that way they know that I'm nice or that, you know, like, like you're saying, just so that people aren't, they're more inclined to be maybe more open or receptive. Veronica said, definitely my number one reason for being a part of this is I wanted to learn how to be able to convey my stance without being a bitch. Mm -hmm. Um, Priscilla said, I just want to say that I'm quickly scrolled through Aisha and Destiny's Instagram and I can just say, dang, fire. How can we be friends in real life? But in all seriousness, thank you, ladies. You are incredible and we're so privileged to have this chat with you guys. Thank you, Priscilla. Yes, we're so, so privileged. Thank you guys so much. I don't know if anybody else has any other questions. Yeah, Sylvia Brand says their podcast is so good. Yeah, you guys are so knowledgeable and so good at what you do. And also, we all want to hang out with you and be friends with you in real life, like Priscilla said. Yeah, when COVID's done, can we just have like a big happy hour? Yeah, we definitely will. We definitely will. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for your time, for your knowledge, just for being open with us, for having those conversations that, um, you know, that are so needed and definitely taking the first step. Um, next week, we are going to be here at 6 p.m. on Thursday. It's going to be with Sonia Saunders from Mujeron Movement, and we're going to be um, talking about colorism within the Latinx community. So that's going to be our next topic. We're so excited to shed light on that. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast. I'm so grateful for you. If you want to keep hearing podcasts like this, nothing inspires me more than seeing that people are subscribing. So please subscribe, please leave a review and tell me what are some of the key lessons you learned and how you're going to apply this to your business. Also, can you do one more thing for me? Take a screenshot and post it. I'll definitely share it. And just remember one more thing. You could be one strategy away from making it big. Hasta la próxima.